Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now it is time for sport. And I'm glad to say it's a full house this morning, uh, just before uh, Christmas, uh, joining me in the studio. Live 95's Luke Liddy, Live 95 soccer correspondent Mike Ahern, uh, freelance journalist John Kill, and Raf Rocca from Sporting Limerick. And you're all very welcome. And uh, Katie, who's done a great job as our intern, uh, she got um, some lovely... Um, Chocolates there, Ferrero Rochers. So, would you would you like would you like one there, Raph? Would you oh, yeah. would you a good man yourself? No, just no. What are you doing, Raph? Don't take all of them. <laughs> Joe, I wouldn't deprive you. There's a fair dent in them already. Ah, go on. I'm okay, Joe. Oh, I'm okay. Oh, Ferrero Rochers and putting a few John. All right. No, it's not. I'm okay, Joe. You're, just you're, for our listeners, they're not really Ferrero Rochers. It's just paper wrapped around paper. He's only cold. trying to trying paper to he's nice. All we're yeah. Well, as uh, former boss of ours here, David Ty used to say, "Radio's theatre of the mind." <laughs> So it doesn't matter whether they're chocolates or not. You're only one of you wanted them anyway. Okay, guys. Um, so where where will we start? Where will we start? So why don't we start with the Minister for Sport, Shane Ross? My guess is, my guess is, if the FAI goes, the League of Ireland goes the same way. Yeah, I think that's absolutely inevitable. Um, but it's something which we would have on the agenda for our meeting with UEFA as well because uh, it would have implications for them too. We are going to obviously do some serious um, analysis of the consequences of examination and liquidation, but that is what we want to, what we want to avoid. Right. Uh, Minister Shane Ross, the Minister for Sport, before Naroctus Committee this week, talking about uh, problems at the FAI. And it seems, Mike, that he kind of, just of his own accord, closed down the League of Ireland in a sort of a 20-second answer there, from what I can gather. It's fairly shocking, wasn't it, to listen to somebody being so inept at their job. I mean, he has plenty of advisors. He would have been well briefed on what was coming that day. And for him to put two and two together and come up with 74 was quite astounding because basically he told probably four or five hundred people around the country who were employed at football clubs that he mightn't have a job in a month's time if things don't go right with the FAI, which was the wrong message to give out as we approach Christmas and people worrying as they are at League of Ireland footballers on 40-week contracts and stuff like that. I mean, they look forward to January when they can start getting paid again and basically the minister told them uh, you mightn't have a league to play in. Just to say, we'd love to have the Minister on uh, to respond to some of what Mike has had to say. There is an open invitation to you, Minister Shane Ross, to come on and and explain that. But the serious point is that uh, Jonathan O'Brien, who's a Sinn Féin TD, isn't he, from Cork, uh, he's on the committee and he knows his football. I think he was involved in Cork City um, at one stage. Um, And and he seemed to be the only one who understood the dynamics here, that yes, there potentially is a threat, to the League of Ireland, but it can be manoeuvred differently. There is a potential threat, but the greater threat of all, Joe, is that if there's no FAI and no national team, then basically the League of Ireland, you can't qualify for Europe. There's just no route out of this unless you have a National Football Association Association competing at European and international and FIFA level and that won't happen if there's no FAI you're not allowed to have a participating national team if you don't have a national association and Jonathan O'Brien was dead right in pointing all that out he knows the struggles he was involved in building Cork basically from the ashes when they went down under and they started up with the new For Us group and 
he knows what it's like trying to get the money in to run a club on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And he pointed out a lot of home truths. And I think, to be fair, we've pointed out for years on this programme regarding wage issues, trying to keep a club just with their head above water. But there's very little help out there. And we've always been saying about politicians and councils, can they not get involved? And there's very little support. And luckily, Pat O'Sullivan stepped in when he did, but he always warned he could never sustain it as in one person. Yeah, I mean, John, you know, if you had suggested even two or three months ago, certainly to members of the public, that not only might we not qualify for the European Soccer Championships, part of which the finals are being played in Ireland, in Dublin at the Aviva Stadium, but that we mightn't actually have a national team at all, they would probably have said, are you joking me? Yeah, it's a scary situation, Joe, when you really look at it. It's the most popular sport, despite what Neil Francis says, that rugby, rugby is the main sport in Ireland. Look, we, we can, make, we, we can talk about did, it. Didn't, didn't you, yeah. No, that was one of his ones a few months ago, yeah. Look, for, for the ordinary person in the public watching what's going on with soccer, because we all seem to have a team, we all seem to support soccer in whatever which way, it's just sickening on every level. We've, we've all noticed and, and taken great interest to see what's happening with Limerick FC. And when you see it happening, what's happening with the national organisation, it's no surprise to see that filter down to the clubs. Yeah, I mean, Raph, we're seeing it uh, at the local level, um, as Mike's been reporting over the last few months with Limerick and now at the national level. And you just wonder... Like, I, What's the way out here? What, uh, where's the future? I know, but if you just go back to one thing Mike said there, was even even the 40-week the contracts and not getting paid, if that was the hospitality industry or the hotel industry, there'd be uproar, there'd be war, there'd be bills put through the doll. It'd be, you know, if people were get, weren't getting paid in, in those industries, there'd be serious consequences. But it seems to be all right because it's footballers. And the reason it is is because it's not seen as a profession. It's not seen as a professional sport. It's like Asher, it's only League of Ireland. You're only on X amount a week. What difference does it make to you if you get paid or not? That's the and attitude. even worse than that, there's an attitude. Sure, if you were yeah. any good, you'd be playing in England. Yeah. That, there is that attitude, yeah, there isn't is, there? There is that attitude. And so long as that persists, that's never... like That mindset has to change. Because like I said, if it was any other industry that people weren't getting paid on the same level as they're not getting paid in, in soccer in Ireland, it'd be up for Now, normally I can't stand people who compare um, everything to Scandinavia and how wonderful it is in Scandinavia. But the one thing you would say about their football structures is they're very clever with their leagues. They're very clever with keeping players, aren't they? Often into their 20s. And then players have a tendency perhaps to move. You know, Solskjaer, the current manager of of United, just one of many examples there. That's a structure that could and should exist here, but it doesn't. And it's all relatively new. I mean, the Scandinavian countries haven't always been hugely popular you know, even to watch, whereas now people watch the Norwegian Tippeligan or the Swedish uh, Alka Vision, or I think it's something like that. But what they've done, Joe, off the pitch is they've made their leagues of value. So they're selling TV rights. They're gaining huge money, just like the Premier Clubs in England, through TV revenue, which filters back into the clubs. We have an association that give very little to the clubs. There's no TV money, even if your games do get televised. We have a government that provide two and a half million euro funding per year for the biggest participating sport. So right from the very top down to the grassroots, 
everything is wrong now with football at the moment and we've warned here I think you know not saying that we're able to tell the future or anything but for the last 12 months we've been saying football is in a dark place locally nationally and internationally for Ireland and I stand by that because we're in a very very precarious position Yeah I, I mean uh, Councillor Jerry O'Dea who in fairness has been supportive of Limerick FC over the years you know he was involved in the meeting of councillors this week and then Councillor Frankie Daly um, brought uh, various people together and to see could you know a senior soccer team uh, be rescued for the upcoming season it seems very unlikely now though doesn't it yeah, I think we said last week 0.01% chance that Limerick will play in the first division next year. I can't see any way because the licensing process is underway. The fixtures are out in the next couple of weeks. There's no players available because all the players are either gone back to junior or signed with other League of Ireland clubs. So where could you possibly pull it all together in a short space of time considering some of the companies and the, I suppose, venues that they'll need for training and matches our old money as well and until all that's sorted out you, you just can't put a, f- a football team on the pitch when there's no plan yes we can do it like the last 30-40 years week to week year to year basis it needs a long term sustainable plan if this is ever to work and it won't be done over one meeting on a Monday night with 15 people present yeah yeah okay we're chatting to Mike Hearn we're chatting to John Q, Ralph Rock and Luke Lydia I want to bring Luke in um, on the rugby uh, just after right we're chatting to uh, Ralph Rocker from Sporting Limerick John Q, freelance journalist uh, Live 95's Luke Lydia and Live 95 soccer correspondent Mike Hearn and uh, Luke um, have you reflected on Munster last week Weekend and come to any conclusions for us? Uh, how strong is the possibility that we're going to see knockout European rugby uh, at Thomond Park or anywhere else for Munster rugby? I think the the writing was kind of on the wall after after that loss and, and failing to get the, the losing bonus point. I mean, going over to, to Paris and trying to get anything against Racing 92 will be seriously difficult obviously the last game probably looks after itself against Ospreys at Thomond Park but you'd have to think that this, this, it's it's looking very very unlikely that, that Munster are going to progress that's not to say that, that they can't I mean you can get a magic performance hopefully over in Paris and maybe pull something out of the bag but it, it's looking very very unlikely that they'll that they'll qualify for the next round Is it true that Connacht have won something since the last time Munster Rugby yep. won something. Absolutely, it is. They won the Pro 14 a couple of years ago under Pat Lamb, beating Leinster in the final. Monsters' last one was 2011, I think, when they beat Leinster in the Celtic League, I think. Yeah. One of the many variations mm-hmm. of it. What do you make of that, Raf? All the eggs are in this basket, Joe. As simple as that. Um, I can't see any way, any way out of, of the European predicament for us, really, to be honest with you. We'd need, I think, we'd need nine points at a minimum, mm. possibly ten. Um, but just to go back to last week's but would game, you think you could get five points possibly out of Ospreys oh, yeah, at home sure. but, but can you would you have to go and beat Racing at, yeah. but look, we've, look if, in you Paris can only, you can only base it on what you've seen so far and we're just we're, we're, we're improving but not at a rate that's going to catch the top teams uh, and look if you just look at last weekend and, and the hubbub I think Ron Nogara has a great piece in the Examiner about the, the reaction to the Jamie George incident and look to me it's just Saracens trying to paint themselves as the victims when you know look if you're a prop forward or if you're a hooker or a front rower and you can't handle being called a fat whatever it is then you're in serious you know you've got some serious sensitivity issues you need to work on so look that's fine like but I mean I don't I I have to say no ref you know uh, have you ever been to a GA match uh, no no but hang on a bit no the, the, the allegation is that the Munster rugby doctor 
yes. made the comment directly to a player. Well, is he, he not the most qualified? Issues, no? Yeah, is he not the most qualified person in the pitch to make? Yeah, you make see, a lads. I mean, you know, it's it's all good sport and all that, but you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, people do struggle with weight issues. And you know there are psycho. There no seriously. Sure there are psychological issues around that. Um, if you know, Jamie George was skinny, he wouldn't be playing. No, I, I think there. I think there. There. You know, it, it obviously is something that George struggles with. I mean, his reaction to it. I'd say. What, I'd say he's probably struggling with thin skinism, Joe. I don't know, Raf. I don't know. I don't know if any medic should be getting involved in that sort of debate. What do you think, Luke? No, no, a medic definitely shouldn't be getting involved in that, but I do think that he's, he's very thin-skinned as well. A medic shouldn't be getting involved because, as I said, the the last day, that's, look, he can't go and, and hit him on the pitch 10 minutes later. You yeah. should be able to have some sort of comeback on, on, on the insult. Look, he did, t- if that's what was said, is he did probably go overboard in, in what he did and, and what, what came after it, but what, what? Go on, Raph. Not a hope. No way. No, Jamie George went over. Oh, yeah, yeah Jamie George yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sure, look, go down to Richmond and Thoman in the junior, Munster Junior, Joe. You'll yeah. hear a lot worse. Joe, when you have Saracens being the paragons of virtue, it's absolutely laughable. They're still under investigation to see what penalties they'll have next year. But isn't, isn't this a typical reaction by us, by Munster fans? When, whenever a situation like this arises where the finger is pointed at Munster, our immediate reaction is to see what can we find from the other club. Now, it's not difficult in Farson's case, I have to say. 35-point deduction and a £5 million fine for um, financial doping, I think is what it was called, wasn't it? At the same time, you know, don't Munster and doesn't the Munster doctor have a case to answer here? I, I think it's a storm in a teacup, honestly. Okay, fair enough. He shouldn't be making comments. He shouldn't be... You know, getting involved with things they shouldn't be getting involved with, but I mean, the reaction to this is just. There's an investigation laughing. going on, isn't there? There is an EPE. So, so do you, do you think, Raf, that there is likely to be punishment meted out to Munster Rugby? Well, I, I suppose first of all, they're going to have to determine the facts, and you know, I suppose they'll get to need to get a, a weight from Jimmy George first, and then. You know, yeah, I, I, Raf, I have to say, no, I honestly think you're, you know, like there are a lot of people listening to this show genuinely. Uh, Joe, oh, ah, come on out, Raf. There are people listening not, to this it's show not done in a who who do match. Uh, it's done in a match. Once you cross the white line, Joe, it's yeah. But, fair but, game. but the one thing I would say it is, say well, but hang a second, now, Ralph. The, the Munster Rugby doctor didn't cross the white line. He wasn't on the pitch. So if it, hap- if it happens, no. Be- no, no, hang a second, no. If it happens between players, there is, as Luke has pointed out, the opportunity for a form of um, further discussion of the issue maybe uh, later on in a scrum or elsewhere you know which it wasn't possible because the Munster Rugby doctor well he may have been on the pitch subsequently but I suspect he and Jamie George were at a distance from each other at that point I'm stunned Joe I thought rugby was a gentlemanly sport I thought the sport and conduct and behaviour was exemplary and usually we only associate it with soccer technical areas Put them in their little cage well, and don't actually, let them out. Isn't that, that's actually not a bad idea, Raf. Why aren't there technical areas in a rugby context? Well, sure, if you're a medic, unless you go down injured in the technical area, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you all run over to the side, like a the point, That's down, a fair you. point. <laughs> I, I accept that. <laughs> so we'll have to see with the investigation. So you will be appalled if any punishment whatsoever is meted out to Munster Rugby for the comment. Now, you say alleged comments and investigation has to take place, but we do understand the Munster Rugby doctor went and apologised to Jamie George and to the Saracens director of rugby, Mark McCall, afterwards. So what was he apologising for then? 
I mean, no, seriously, Raph, what was he apologising for? Say, look, tick, tick in a box. Just so ah, tick in a box. Yeah, tick in a box. Anyway, see, uh, I'm, they're, they're actually playing this weekend. This, this is the Interpro thing, but sure, they've depowered the Interprovincials completely, haven't they really? They've taken... Where are all the players gone? Yeah, well, I suppose this time you're looking at two of the three Interpros, the, the internationals are going to be missing, but if you look at the, the stands being put in at the sports ground, the stands being put in at Thoman Park, it doesn't seem to take away from the, the fans wanting to go and see, so in that way you're That's saying... That's for the Munster-Leinster Jamboree, is it? And for the Connacht game, they're after putting in Aren't extra they? seating as well, so you're looking at that and you're going, is it maybe the jerseys, is it the bragging rights, we don't care too much who's on the pitch... Well, you see, that's a good point because actually that Munster-Leinster match was feisty last year. That's what we need, isn't it? You know, I mean, another polite exchange of views. Of course, Raph is what I'm talking about. You know, it was a gentleman's sport and all that, as, uh, as Mike points out. But you know, it needs something because it has been an issue over the years that we see a lot of the marquee players. And the part that I don't fully get about that is if, if, if Ireland had progressed to a semi-final, then they would have had to play a semi-final and a third-fourth. But of course they didn't. They only got to the quarterfinals. So do they need to be removed from action? It, it, it's a perennial question, Joe. The, should all the top players, the Irish players involved in all the provinces be playing in these Interpro games? For me, they should be. It should be set in a place where they should absolutely be playing for their provinces. The player welfare system, clearly, that is designed to make Ireland the best possible team and prepared for the World Cup isn't working. Not in that sense, anyway. but with these games, it gives huge opportunities to young players. You just think of Finian Whiterly hammering Johnny Sexton into the ground last year. Everyone remembers that with Finian Whiterly. It's a huge opportunity for the younger players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Munster to beat Connacht. Uh, it's live commentary here, of course, on Live 95. Live commentary, yeah. I don't know. I think Conor Fitzgerald could come back and, and, and break Munster man, yeah. Hertz. Yeah. Um, I mean, just looking at him and, and looking at maybe some of the younger players like Ben Healy coming through at Munster who might travel to the Champions Cup and get that bit of experience. Connacht aren't afraid to, to throw a young fella in who's who was let go by Munster, came into Connacht and led him into to big games over Irish internationals as well. And we've seen him kick match winning penalties. He seems to be man of the match every single game that he plays. So I think he's a, a big loss and he could come back to haunt Munster tomorrow. Yeah, um, and we'll finish with your good self since you're such Christmassy farmer. Um, just wondering about um, if Munster don't progress in Europe, do they not then have to win the Guinness Pro 14? A bit like Liverpool have to now win the Premier. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, the, the biggest thing in the Pro 14 is the finish top seed because if you finish top seed, you avoid Leinster. And I'm sick of going up to the RDS for semi-finals and you know, coming out in the wrong end of it. Like, if we can avoid Leinster in a semi-final, then I think we've got a good chance. Okay, brilliant. All right. Happy Christmas, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, John Kyo, uh, Raf Rocca, Luke Liddy, Micah Hearn. Didn't get a chance to ask you about your favourite Christmas movie. We've got a detour courtesy of Raf there. Um, but uh, we can get a chance to do that Joe, with the coffee break, just say that we'll have uh, updates on Limerick versus Tipperary as well tonight in the, the Munster Senior Hurling League. That's from half seven as well. So we'll have up- updates on that and Young Munster's game against Cork on in the, the Munster Senior Cup final. All the action. Call Limerick today now on 461995.